0: I am perfectly fine with having a 16-year-old son that is five inches taller than me because he loves basketball and college is expensive. So those of you that aren't on the Grace Emanuel Facebook page or on Facebook at all, um, on, must have been Wednesday evening, or one day this week, um, I was walking downstairs, and it was still light out, and so as I came down the stairs, I didn't turn any lights on, and I had to go shut something off down there, and my lo- eyes had not adjusted from coming from the light to the dark, and we have a couch down there with the chase on it, and I tripped right over the chase. I wasn't running. I wasn't in a hurry. I wasn't nothing. I was just walking downstairs. This is what happens when you get older, um, and I hit that chase right here on the shins, both legs, and Face first, right into the coffee table. That's what this looks like right here. Oh, that's a result. It actually was only this little guy right here, which was nothing. But then all that injury traveled up northward. But uh, I didn't put my hands out. I didn't anything. Just face first, right into the solid wood coffee table. And my face lost. (laughs) So uh, the wisdom of my son, eldest, says, well, do you think maybe you should turn the light on? So I laid there for a moment and gathered myself and had to say, what just happened? And you know, facial injuries, especially around your eyes, bleed a lot. And I was trying to feel, is it bleeding? I was, you know, because I knew I hit it wherever it was. And so I was like dabbing all over the place. And of course, I couldn't see anything. And so by the time I got halfway up the stairs, I could see the blood all over my hand, So I knew something wasn't right. So I just yelled the Gretchen. I said, "Hey, I hurt myself. Don't freak out." Because by the time I got into the bathroom upstairs, there, my entire this portion of my face was covered because I was dabbing all over. And once we cleaned it up, it was just this little scratch. So, looks worse now than it actually is, but uh, I'm glad, grateful that I wear glasses so I can kind of semi cover it up. Anyways, the Lord's good. Even through that, that could have been horrendously worse. Could have injured my eye, could have been concussed, which I may have been anyway. Um, But the Lord protected, and I don't take that lightly, and I want to make sure that we give him honor for that. The Lord's good. He sees us. We've been saying it for well over a year now. He sees us, even when we don't use wisdom and turn the lights on. He sees us. Well, the Lord had given me this to share with you three weeks ago. We had an ice storm and canceled service, and then we'd already had scheduled for Josh to speak, and then Brother Steve was in town. So I was really asking the Lord, you know, because there have been times in the past where I had a message prepared and something changed with whatever, and the next time I was supposed to share, um, he changed direction. And I was really asking the Lord, you know, am I going to be given the freedom, the license to be able to share this? And, and I felt still to continue. Um, I believe it is a, a word that is um, for today, this time. Um, and I'm grateful for the opportunity I'm excited for what he's going to do. So we're going to spend a, a good portion of our time and look at some scriptures. But before we do that, I wanted to tell you and ask you, can we have a frank conversation about something that we don't really talk about a lot in church? And that really is mental health. You know, if you have the mind of the Christ, if you have the mind of Christ, you're not supposed to have any issues with any worry or anxiety or anything like that. You realize that, right? So that's how we feel. Yes, we are to walk in wholeness, but there are still times that we have these things that we... Are facing and deal with, but when we come to church, we don't really talk about it much, much because of the fact that we're supposed to be, have it all together, right? And if I were to share with one of my brothers and sisters, they might think less of me, so I'm certainly not going to do that. So I'll just deal with it. I'll grit my teeth and I'll you know, bear through it myself because that works really well with a lot of things. I was looking at this and did some research. It's Kind of small writing, so I'll, I'll read it to you, but I wanted to put it all on one. It says, approximately one in five adults in the U.S. experience mental illness over a given year. Approximately one in 25 in the U.S. experience serious mental illness in a given year that it substantially interferes with or limits one or more major life activities. One in five youth, 13 to 18. One in Five. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Almost ten here today. So that means two of them, based on this study, would be challenged with that. That's powerful. They experience severe mental disorder at some point during their life. Children's 8 to 15, it's 13%. 1.1% of adults live with schizophrenia, 2.6, live with bipolar, 6.9, had at least one major depressive episode in the past year. 7%, 7 out of every 10, 3 out of every 50 had a major depressive episode this year. 18% experienced anxiety disorder, post-traumatic stress, obsessive compulsive or specific phobias, 18%. That's almost, once again, one in five. Among the 22 million adults in the U.S. who experience a substance abuse disorder, 50% had co-occurring mental illness. So half the people that struggle with substance abuse have some form of mental disorder. Yet we never talk about this in church. Never. Till today. Nine out of every 50 people, that was the percentage, experienced some sort of anxiety disorder. So, of the approximately 50 people that we have here today, nine could potentially have some sort of anxiety. So, for us to assume that all we come to grace, Emmanuel, we got it all together, we are severely mistaken. We can't make that assumption. And, thus being a family church, we have to make this a safe place for someone to come if they struggle with something as anxiety, that they can come. If we have someone who has a broken leg, or someone who has an issue, a physical thing that happened, we have no problem coming and saying, hey, we need the elders of the church to come and pray over me because I have this physical ailment. I'm sick. I have the flu. I have this. I had problems with my kidneys. Whatever it is, no issue. But how quickly are we to say, I struggle with anxiety. Sometimes I'm so anxious I can't even get out of bed. How quickly are we to admit that. And for those that have struggled with this at one time or another, doesn't mean that you struggle with it every day or you have for 20 years or what. It may be just in this moment in this period in your life. I say to you, forgive us for not providing opportunity to make you feel that this is a safe place to talk about I don't know about you, but my thoughts are wild. I have the weirdest things that creep into my head at times. And I have often thought to myself, what is wrong with me? I had this thing start happening to me when we went to California in 1984. We called it, Later on, my mom and I would call it crazy head. Didn't know what it was. Never really went to the doctor about it. But I would have these phenomenon that would occur when I would be sitting, just like you are right now, and I remember, as if it was yesterday, Brother Lightner standing behind the pulpit, speaking about whatever, unfortunately, I don't know what it was. Speaking of which, 40 years ago today, the founding pastor of this church passed away. 40 years. May 6, 78 or 79. Oh, Five, six, seven, seven. 41 years ago today. 41 years ago today. Unfortunately, the majority of us here in this room had, did not have the privilege of meeting him. I did. I was two. No recall. One memory, actually. But anyways, Brother Leitner was speaking. He was actually not up in the, those that knew Old Grace, he was not up in the, on the pulpit, he was down. Must have been a Sunday night, because we only did that on Sunday nights. And I remember standing there looking at him, and all of a sudden, as I was looking at him, he was probably this tall, and it was as if everything was like total tunnel vision. And I was experiencing some kind of whatever it was, and that was kind of like the beginning of when this started. And I would have these things go on in my mind that I had no idea what, they, what was going on, what they meant. It wasn't voices or anything like that, but it was just, it was almost as if everything was in hyperspeed. It's really the best way I could describe it. And it was almost, it was mesmerizing. Almost as if I was in some sort of trance. So <laughs> I mentioned the California trip because we went to San Francisco on one of our trips. And this was the first time I'd ever been exposed to homeless people or people openly just high on drugs. So I thought that somebody had given something to me or poked me with something or did some kind of something to me because when I got from California, I was crazy. That was my 10-year-old mind rationalizing what was going on with me. But anyways, this went on for, I bet... 20 years, more frequent, or I should say less frequent as I got older. But things they transition from that, that like that uh, almost. It, what I a good description that somebody gave me one time of someone who has attention deficit disorder. They said it's almost as if somebody else has the remote and your mind is the TV, and they're just changing the channels and you have no control. That's how ADD was described to me one time. I thought that was a perfect description. And that's exactly what it felt like. There was images going on in my mind and things that were racing that I had no control over and someone else was doing it. Well, as I got older, I don't know if that had anything to do with puberty or synapses in my mind firing. I don't know. I never really got any, whatever. I was afraid to talk about it. But as I got older, things changed from images and racing things to crazy, dumb thoughts point in case the night CJ was born standing there Gretchen had finally fallen asleep I was holding him I may I actually think I may have mentioned this before standing there looking at him I was actually singing to him and I the thought came to me what if I were to throw him through that window these are the types of things that I'm talking about crazy out of character Things I would never do in my entire life. Thoughts. Standing, going somewhere, and being on top. What if I were to jump off this building right now? What if I were? I mean, all the time. It's always a what if. I'm at a at a grocery store, convenience store, whatever. They open up the thing. Here's your, if I ever pay cash for something. Ching! Oh, drawer opens. What if I were to grab that cash right now and run? I haven't stolen anything in my entire life police officers standing in the crowd. What if I were to grab his gun right now? What would happen? What if I were to walk up to that guy and just punch him right in the face? These are the things that fire in my mind sometimes. I'm being completely transparent and I might as well be naked right now. It probably would be more comfortable to stand here nude. So I began to say, Lord, what is wrong with And I started thinking, do other people have these things? And if they struggle mentally with other forms of mental disorder, is that what causes them to act and do what we would call crazy things? (laughs) You guys are like, I'm never allowing you to hold my baby, ever. (laughs) Charlotte got up and walked into the back. She was afraid I was going to do something back there. She ran. (laughs) Well, I have good news for you. If any of you that... Maybe I'm by myself today. But if any of you have ever had some type of crazy thought, I have good news for you. You are not crazy. It is the enemy trying to whisper into your ear to convince you that you are not a child of the king. So the... The key is, which I've learned over the years, when I have those thoughts that are out of character, I cast them down in Jesus' name and I go on with my day. And you will find, as you do that more and more, they are less and less frequent. Because when we remind Satan that he is defeated, he goes and finds somebody else. He gets tired of it. He gets tired of getting smacked in the face every time he whispers in my ear now and reminding him of his destiny. He hates it. So eventually he'll get tired of messing with you and trying to attack a place he has no ground because of the victory of Jesus. Completed at the cross. Thank you, Lord. He wants to convince you that you're crazy. But we have to remind him that he is defeated. Jesus went to the cross and took the keys of hell and death. Gene, if I were to take your car keys from you right now, guess what? You're not driving home and you're not getting in your house. That's exactly what Jesus did. He took those keys of hell and death and said, I'll take these. You have no right or any control over these things ever again. The enemy has no power over you. He's the author of confusion and fear. And as we already know from a few weeks back, what is fear? Fear is what? A liar. The only real estate in your mind to which he can have claim is when we give him permission. How do I do that? Well, what type of things are you Watching. What type of things are you looking at? What type of things are you searching? What types of things are you listening to? What types of things are you reading? The list can go on and on. When we open our eye and ear gate to the things of the world, don't wonder why those things will come back and be regurgitated in your mind. You can't look at trash all day long and expect your mind to be pure. It doesn't work like that. But when we seek things that are pure, seek things that are lovely and of a good report, your mind will follow. Through the victory and power that Jesus Christ has provided, we can champion this defeated foe. But we have to keep our minds stayed on the Lord because the enemy will try to sow seeds of doubt on the hourly basis if we allow him to. Now, a few weeks back, early February, or excuse me, um, early April, there was a national basketball championship. And a university called Villanova beat the University of Michigan here in Ann Arbor. They beat them in the the final game of the National Championship of Basketball. With seven minutes and 22 seconds left in the game, Michigan was actually leading. They had a two, three point lead, whatever it was. doesn't really matter. Seven minutes and 22 seconds left in the first half, excuse me, in the first half. So if Jim Beeline, who is the coach of Michigan, were to call up Jay Wright, who is the coach of Villanova, and say, listen, I need you to turn over your national championship trophy to me, because at 722, we were winning. So we're going to call it good right there. In my mind, we stopped. At this moment in time, we won, because at 722, we were winning, so we had the victory. So hand it all over. Give us your trophy. Give us your rings. Give us your banners. Everything. It's ours. What do you think Jay Wright, the coach of Villanova, would say? Exactly, just like you guys are right now. You're laughing. Are you hearing me? What does Satan do? I had that victory in your life when you were 22. I had that victory in your life last week. I had that victory in your life when you argued with your spouse this morning. So therefore, give me everything that you have. Give me your rings. Give me your banner. Give me your championship that Jesus already won. I'll take that back, thank you. Just as ridiculous as it would for Jim Beeline to call Jay Wright to say that, it's the same exact level of ridiculousness for Satan to try to convince you that you have lost because of the fact that he may have had some type of victory in your life at one point in time. Right. When he comes and makes call, and if you choose to answer, first of all, don't do. But if for whatever crazy reason you decide that you want to pick up the phone, and you answer and say, yes, this is, this is say your name, fill in your name, how can I help you? oh yes, this is Satan, I'm just called to remind you of how I had victory at one point in time in your life. Well, you can take that banner, you can take that victor's crown, and you can shove it right in his face and say, oh, just as a reminder, Jesus wins in the end. He's victorious. And by the way, not only that, you are defeated for all eternity. So by the way, lose my number and don't call back. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. This is the key to taking every thought captive. Jesus won on the cross. He won the day that you were born. He won a year ago. He won yesterday. He won this morning. He's victorious in this exact moment. And by the way, he'll be victorious tomorrow and for all eternity. So any point in time you have a thought that is trying to keep you captive, you can take that thought captive and remind it, by the way, my Jesus has already won. And I'm a child of the king. I am covered under the blood of the lamb. I am victorious because he is victorious. Not because I can muster up some type of strength and I can defeat you on my own. But because of the victory that I can claim in the name of Jesus, you, Satan, are defeated. Because he is victorious, we have the victory. Why don't you stand with me and say that? Come on. Stand up. Stand up. Stand with me to dec- declare today, I, make it personal, I have the victory. Say it. I have the victory. Because Jesus won and he will continue to, what? I have the victory. Even when circumstances don't look like it. I look all around me and nothing looks like this in victorious at all. What do I have? What? Even when whispers come into my mind to say something different, what do I have? I have the victory. Even when I don't feel like it. Even when I am sad. Even when I feel like I can't even get out of bed. What can I say? I have the victory. Give him a hand. Thank you, Lord. 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 Well, so you know I'm not making this stuff up. Let's look to his word. Lord, we're grateful for your word today. Lord, we thank you that it's a light and a lamp. Lord, we thank you that you haven't left us or forsaken us. Lord, we're so grateful you see us. You see to our hearts, even right now, in Jesus' name. Turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Well, let's define some things here. When we walk, we make our way. We progress. We make due use of opportunity. What is flesh? It's our body. It denotes the human nature. The earthly nature of man apart from divine nature. Influence. Let me say that again. What is our flesh? The earthly nature of man apart from divine influence. And therefore, what, hap- what happens when we're not influenced by the Spirit and we're def- influenced by our nature? We're prone to sin and opposed to God. We walk in the flesh. We do not war. What's that word war mean? It means to fight. Though we walk in the flesh, we don't have to fight against that same flesh. Now watch this. Though we make due use of opportunity in the body that is prone to sin and opposed to God, just using all the strong's words and putting them together, or strong definitions, we do not have to fight against this body that is prone to sin and opposed to God. We don't have to fight against it even though we're walking in it. And here's why. Let's turn to First Corinthians five, or excuse me, First um, Peter five, eight. If you don't want to, I have it up here for you as well. It says here, be sober, be vigilant, because the adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now, mind you, a very important word. It doesn't say because the. Ad- because the adversary of the devil walks about and is a roaring lion. There's a very key word here, it says right here. Like. Like a lion. I believe it was Brother Varner that says he walks around as a toothless lion. You ever seen a toothless dog bark? Well not very scary. This toothless lion that's walking around seeking whom he may. Mother, may I? What is that? What are we doing when we say mother, may I? You are asking for what? Permission. You does not say will. It's not a def- definitive statement. It says he may. What is the only way that he is going to get permission when we do what? Yeah. So he is... See, walking around, seeking who he may devour. So what do we need to do? Be sober and vigilant. Revelation 1, 17, second portion of it, and 18 says, Do not be afraid. Why? I am the first and the last, I am he, as Jesus is speaking, of course, I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And what do I have? The keys of hell and death. So when Satan tries to come and remind us as a toothless lion that he's going to try to devour and ask you for permission to do so, we can remind him, oh, yeah, by the way, you were already defeated. A long time ago. Continuing on here, Revelations twelve, ten, and eleven says, Then they heard a voice saying, loud voice in heaven, Now salvation is strength, and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser, watch this the accuser of the brethren, that Satan, who has accused them before our God day and night, has been cast down. Whenever, Josh, he tries to come and remind you, you know when you were 14 and you said that. You know when you last week, when you listened to that or read that, you can say, oh, yeah, really? Guess what? You've already been cast down because I kind of uncovered." by the blood of the Lamb. Verse 11, and they overcame him. Here's what we do. Here's how we respond. I'm empowering you. I'm equipping you to be able to address these things today through Scripture. I didn't make this up. Straight out of here. They overcame how? Him, this toothless lion, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Guess what? We need to tell each other about it when we have victory. We're not going to focus on the fact of the struggle. We need to focus on the victory. Who cares that you got challenged this week? Guess what? I did too. I was just afraid to talk about it, Don. We come in here God Don says, hey, I had a victory this week. I had a struggle. I had a, a temptation to do this. But guess what? I had the victory. Oh, we're not going to judge you because of the fact you had a temptation. That's not what we're talking about here. Because we know this lion tries to go around, this little toothless lion, little kitty cat, tries to go around. He tries to defeat you, try to tempt you with what these things you have here. But we're going to come together and say, hey, guess what? I had the victory because of the blood of the Lamb. And I'm going to encourage you by the word of my testimony so that next week you can do the same. look at this. You know this love their lives did not love their lives unto death? They're not worried. Right. They're not worried about what he can do to them. He can't kill you. He would have a long time ago if he had the opportunity. You don't believe me? Read the book of Job. Yeah. Brother Steve reminded us of that last week. Go back to 2 Corinthians. You know what four is? For is a preposition. For is a little phrase that we just kind of throw in there. But this is like a prepositional bomb that Paul just drops right in here. Oh yeah, by the way. Let's just throw this in here. So we start with for though we walk in the flesh, we don't war against the flesh. By the way, parenthetical. little Little, little bonus here. Let me throw this in here for you. For the weapons of our warfare, by the way, are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't drop too many parenthetical bombs like this. The things that I say in my parentheticals usually are kind of silly. But this right here is powerful. Powerful. This is empowering because we can be assured here the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. We sit there and we try to will against Satan. We try to will against our thoughts. We try to do these things, and I'm not saying walking around that we're just constantly being attacked by the enemy. But I tell you what, my thoughts do. I try try to portray me all the time. Okay, my flesh is worn against my spirit all the time. That's why we are die to die daily. We are to go to the cross and to die daily and to lay it down before the Lord and say, Lord, I can't do it on my own anyway, so I'm going to give it all to you because my weapons are not carnal. Anything that I try to do, anything that I try to fix, is going to be carnal in mind. But I need to realize the fact that the weapons of my warfare are mighty. Why? In God. Period. Right there. But in God, they're mighty for the pulling down of these things, this stronghold in my mind. Well, what kind of weapons are we talking about here? Carnal. Verse 4. Fleshly, governed by human nature, not by the Spirit of God. Here's the key. You want to be able to war in spiritual things? You can't live a carnal life. It can't be both. You cannot Walk in the flesh all the days of your life and try to flip a switch and say, Hey, I need to be guided by the Spirit at this moment because I'm struggling. It doesn't work like that. We can't live for ourselves, live for the world, and be carnal in everything that we do, and in the moment of of trial and uh, 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 concern. Things that are in trouble, whatever's going on. Lord, I need help. Woo, woo, hey, I'm over here. I'm over here. I need your help, Jesus. Help me, help me, help me. And he's faithful. <laughs> he comes and rescues. And then we kind of forget. Because, you know, I'm more comfortable over here, and this is where I'd rather be. I live for myself until the next problem. If you have a friend... I use that in loosely. That the only time that they call you is when they're in trouble? I do. Do I go to their help and their rescue every single time? Yep. But I tell you what, it sure would be nice if we could have a conversation over here. Not in the land of trouble. I don't have any trouble, I don't have any problem helping. But it sure would be nice to have a conversation about something other than Kenya, Kenya, I need you. But that's how we treat our prayer life. When everything is going great, we forget all about the Lord. As soon as we need rescue and help, woo! Jesus help me. That's what they always say. They supposedly removed prayer from schools, but as long as there's still tests, there will always be prayer. <laughs> Galatians 5. I say then, walk in the spirit, here's the key, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Yes. If you were to do the converse of that, if you walk in the flesh, and you fulfill the the lust of the flesh, you will not walk in the spirit. Can't have it both ways. Why is that? 17, for the flesh lust against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. They are contrary to one another. They don't work together. So that you do not do the things that you wish. Even Paul mentioned. And by the way, the exception of the references and in, in revelation thus far, Paul, aren't you grateful for the author, Paul? Man. He is, by the direction of the Spirit, he's really given us a ton, a ton, by which we can live our lives. Yes. Just encourage you to, to dive into the Lord. Lord, give us an insatiable, insatiable hunger for your word. Lord, cause us to devour it. Everything that we need, every bit of guidance, every situation you will face is addressed right here. Every rescue, every help, every encouragement right here available to us. Lord, help us to turn to you first, not as a last resort. Our weapons are useless. His are mighty. Yes. Ephesians 6, continuing on here. All right. What type of spiritual weapons are you talking about? I mean, come on. What, what does that even mean? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Here we go. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. If you would like, I could go get the Sunday school class and bring them back and they could tell you what the armor of God is. Because I guarantee you, they know and understand and have a conceptualized uh, understanding of what the armor of God is better than we. Because they've heard it so many times and they don't doubt it. They don't question. They said, hey, I can put on my helmet of salvation, but let's continue reading here. Verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, means world, against the spiritual host of wickedness in heavenly places. Now, are Satan and his demons at work in this world? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. But here's the key. The only way that they are able to have any sort of foothold, stronghold, power by the real estate, once again, that we allow them to have. So this world, this nation, let's just say, let's bring it home. Our city has spat in the face of the Lord. Open themselves up to these principalities and powers, and then we wonder why we're in the position that we are. 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Now, we're not going to go through all of them to, for time's sake today, but continue reading on in Ephesians 6. Ma- make a note and remind yourself about the whole armor of God and what all that empowers you to be able to withstand yes. when the enemy comes, tries to come against you. Though our spiritual weapons are mocked by the world, they are feared by by the demonic. They know what's up. Yes. Pulling down means demolition. Imagine if you've ever seen a building being imploded. A girl I used to know, her dad did that for a living. How cool of a job is that? He blew things up for a living. Every guy is like, yes! So if you've ever seen those videos of the building just collapsing on itself, that's exactly what he did. That's what this word is talking about. That pulling down of strongholds is them falling down on themselves as if it's demolition. What is a stronghold? It's a castle, a fortress. It's arguments are reasoning by which one endeavors, watch this, to fortify his own opinion and defend against his opponent. Sometimes we have some of our own opinions and beliefs that need to be imploded by the power of God. Strongholds are wrong thoughts and perceptions contradicting the true knowledge of God. These strongholds are expressed in arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. The reliance on carnal methods and habits of carnal thinking are true strongholds. They stubbornly set down deep roots in our heart and mind, and color our actions and thinking. It's hard to let go of thinking that does not value the things and the ways of the world. But here's the secret. God's power really can break them down. It can break down those strongholds by the power of the Lord. Look at this, imaginations. Reasoning, computation, and judgment that are hostile to the Christian faith. Yes. Have you ever heard a more appropriate description of what's happening right now around us? That's right. Reasoning, computation, and judgment mm-hmm. that are hostile to the Christian faith. Yes. We are to be accepting of everyone Except Christians. I have to respect your belief. I have to respect your space or your safe space. I have to, everything that you're doing, I have to make sure that I'm okay, you're okay, we'll just leave each other alone. Except if the fact that you bring up the name of Jesus. Now you're being offensive to me, and I'm going to shut you up. here, high thing. It's the same exact word in Romans 8. Oh, therefore. We already know, like I said, you can read through those. We're not going to go through them today. In verse 5, casting down arguments, and here's my high thing, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Christ. Now notice here casting down arguments in every high thing. Every high thing, look at this. For I am persuaded, in Romans 8, that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing, all this list. So pretty much, there's a lot covered there. It's pretty broad. shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ our Lord. So no action you take, no word you say, no place that you've gone, no thing that you've searched on the internet can separate you from the love of God. Now, can we create distance? Absolutely. Does that make him love us less? Nope. Does it make him love Pastor more because he spends hours in his Bible every single day? Nope. Does it mean uh, that he only loves you a little bit when you just first accept him? Absolutely not. His his love is extended to all, for all. It's It's not like us. When I like Gretchen, I love her more. When she frustrates me, I love her less. It doesn't work like that. His love is unconditional. Anything that I'm doing or not doing is not going to change his measure of love for us. Do you realize, are you hearing me today, how empowering that is? His love does not change for you. Regardless of what you do or don't do. Now, our response to that love is up to us. What we do with it is very important. Do we return that same measure of love to Him? That's the key. But even if we don't, it does not change His feeling toward us. His love is not contingent. Upon our actions. Yes, thank you, Lord. Somebody needs to hear this today. This was not part of my message at all. But his love is not contingent upon you. Thank you, Lord. Back in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, casting down arguments that every high thing that exalts itself, I will be like the Most High. I will become like him. That's what Satan, at the time Lucifer, did. And that was his great fall. I will be like unto. I will exalt myself. One of the most dangerous, self destructive emotions that we can have in actions is pride. We see in Scripture that it preceding a fall is pride. Maybe I was being prideful going downstairs this week. I don't know. <laughs> Just going to turn off a water spigot. <laughs> Pride is a destructive emotion. Much of what we do, say, and feel is a result of our pride. You ever notice, consider Josiah. If we were to bring him up here, or, you know, for sake of, let's just say he wasn't cold, but if we were to take him down to his diaper and hold him up up here, do you think he would be embarrassed? No. He probably would be more comfortable. But if I were to do the same to Aiden, my 11-year-old, do you think he might be a little embarrassed? <laughs> yeah. You know why? Because we're concerned about what others think. You know what that is? Pride. Josiah has no pride, no shame. He'll mess his diaper right in the room with all of us. And when he gets to the chance of old enough to do so, walk around with it and share it with us all. No shame. Dan, on the other hand, probably would not do that. (laughs) In that area, we're glad he's prideful. When we are so concerned about ourselves, our appearance, our home, our car, our whatever it is that we are portraying to other people, that is the sin of pride. That's all it is. That is a high thing exalting itself against the knowledge of God. So what do we need to do with that? We need to bring that thought into captivity. I have have a little uh, task I would like you to do. We're going to do it quickly for time's sake. Make sure you get one of these. Every single person. If you need a pen, I have them. We're going to write down a high thought that we have. Do it quickly. It doesn't have to be profound. doesn't have to be the highest thought that you have. Some type of vain imagination that you're having in your life. If you need a pen, raise your hand. Don will give you one. Something that is exalted itself in your life above the Lord. It may be your job. It may be your concern about your retirement account. It may be whatever it is. The Lord is speaking to you right now. One particular thing. So here's what I was instructed to do. We are to cast down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity. What we're going to take, do is we're going to take this high thought. I want you to come through the middle and you can exit to the outside. And you are going to actually cast this thing down right into there. Don't just kind of toss it in there like you're being ladylike. We're going to cast it down in the name of Jesus right now. Go. Go. No, cast that high thing down in the name of Jesus because we're bringing everything that exalts itself against the name of the Lord. We're casting it down even right now in Jesus' name. Never to pick it back up. We're not going through the trash after this is over. We are leaving it there in Jesus' name. We're we not coming back. Thank you, Lord. Right. thank you lord for the work that you've done even right now in jesus name lord we cast down these high things that try to exalt themselves against you in jesus name lord it's not any work that we've done that we can do in our own strength but father we rely and trust in you as we cast these things down lord never to be returned they are not to come and pick them up again lord they are cast down in jesus name We thank you, Lord, as a group. We collectively say we cast these down in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. These things have exalted themselves against the knowledge of God. That word God there is theos, which represents the Trinity, the Godhead. We're exalting ourselves against the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit might not want to do that. The word obedience means compliance and submission. You may say, well, I'm a free thinker. I I don't really want to bring myself into subjection and to to anything. Here's the problem with that. We belong to someone no matter what. We're either purchased by the blood of the perfect Lamb of God or we surrender our control to the enemy. That's right. exactly. There's no middle ground. One or the other. Josh, Ezra, CJ, Aiden, come here, please. Some of us have captive thoughts of depression. Some of us have things that we worry about. What about my family? I want them to be provided for and protected. What about tomorrow? What about my job? Worry. Some of us have doubt, concern. I don't know if this stuff is real. Not convinced just yet. A thought that we need to bring into captivity. And we heard today that nine out of the people that are here today could potentially struggle with anxiety. Or maybe even those that are broadcasting on Facebook Live, the Lord sees you too. may have anxiety about all kinds of things. We're to take this captive. You guys get in a circle facing your backs to each other. Casting down arguments. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bring in these thoughts that try to exalt itself. Things that say that they are higher than the power of the Lord. Things that say that when you believe in me, then you have no escape. You have no way out. The things that you've done, things that you've said, Places you've been, you have no way out. But I say to these things today, you're captive. In the name of Jesus. Because we bring every thought captive to the obedience. Of Jesus Christ. They can't escape. They're not going anywhere. And unless I let them out. They will remain captive. Right. There you are. Thank you. Not by power that you have done. Notice it doesn't say. Bring every thought captive. Because you grit your teeth really strongly. But it says. Bring every thought captive. To the obedience. Of Jesus Christ. You may struggle with one or all of these or your list may be even different. Insert your list, whatever it is, right into these things here. But every thought is to be brought captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ. Thank you, boys. Can you stand with me. Well, we're grateful for your word today. We thank you that they, this word would take root in our hearts. Bring forth your fruit in due season. Lord, we thank you that you see us, Lord, that you have given us this word today because there are those that needed to hear right from you. (laughs) So, Lord, just as we cast down these vain imaginations into this trash, Lord, we leave it there. We thank you, Lord, that you've already won the victory. And because of that, Lord, we can say, I, too, have the victory. So when Satan tries to come and remind us that with 7 minutes and 22 seconds left in the first half that he was winning, we can remind him at the end of the game, we got the banner. At the end of the game, we got the victor's crown. And he is defeated. Not by things that we have done, but Lord, by the work that you did at that cross. Lord, help us not go a day without showing our gratitude for the things that you've done in our lives. Lord, help us to have a song in our lives that says, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Lord, let that ever be on our lips as we adore you and exalt your name. We thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness and the work that you've done even today. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. We, Amen and amen. Thank you. Have a great week.